Hello, Redlow friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Hello Redlow podcast. I'm your host, Terry Mullen, and I am so happy you're here. If you're new here, welcome. Redlow is older spelled backwards. I am older, and perhaps you are too. And I show up here each week trying to help each one of us step forward with our lives by navigating these life transitions, overcoming hard things, and rediscovering who we are now in this season of life. I have a great episode today, so sit back, listen in, and let's keep stepping forward. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hello Redlow podcast. I'm your host, Terry Mullen, and I'm so excited about my guest today. Elizabeth Kalubi is on a mission to help 1,000 business owners grow their businesses. She is a coach, a consultant, and a fractional executive, and her superpower is operating at the intersection of client-centric strategy, leadership, and marketing and digital transformation. She translates your vision and goals into an actionable execution plan. Transitions and change have been a constant for Elizabeth in her life. She'll tell you about some of the 30 places that she's lived when we talk. So fun. I'm so excited to talk about that. She was laid off her executive leadership role a few months after 30 years of being in the banking and tech industries. She pivoted to start her own business and control her own destiny. This was the second time that she'd been laid off. She survived 10 to 12 significant reorganizations in her career and has learned a whole lot about managing change and facing transitions. So without further ado, please welcome Elizabeth Kalubi. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here with you, Terry. I am so excited to have you here, and you just have so much to your credibility, just your role as who you have been as a woman, as a woman in the banking industry and a corporate executive, and so I'm just excited to share your transition from where you've been to where you are now and overcoming some hard things, and I first want to start off with some fun facts for the listeners that don't know. We are actually cousins by marriage. Who? <laughs> Yep, we've known each other for 40 years. We've been through a lot together. And as a side note, I also have some fun nicknames for you. So if I accidentally call her BA, <laughs> that is why. Anyway, let's talk about your background because you have so much depth to who you are and an incredible intellect. Um, you actually started college at the age of 17, which I have just, for someone who never was, I didn't finish my college degree. Um, I'm just intrigued by that. And I have so much respect for that. So share a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, so it was a really interesting time. It wasn't planned. Um, I actually left high school in the middle of my junior year of high school. I had been in Taiwan for seventh through ninth grade, going to an American school. And then we transferred back to the United States to a high school in Massachusetts. And in January of my junior year, Ronald Reagan was president. And he decided to change some policies about Social Security to try and balance the social social security funds and everything. It was the beginning of all the fear of it was going to run out of money. And one of the first things they did was you got social security when you retired, right? That's how most people use it. Well, you also, I received it because my father died when I was a child. So I got the child supplement. Um, it was a couple of hundred dollars a month to help with living expenses up until age 18, or if you went to college till 22. Well, Ronald Reagan in that January said, if you're not in college full-time, 12 credits, on April such and such date, 1982, you only get it to 18. No no extension for going to college. So I was bored. 
I had gone to a really great uh, private school in Taiwan and came back to a very, very good high school in Massachusetts, but I was bored. In Taiwan, the way I always describe it is in um, Taiwan, we had to write one paper per quarter per class. So that means you had to write a paper, four papers a year for PE, for gym. So, and I got back to the school in Massachusetts. It was good. It was a great school, but I think I wrote two papers in two years. And so I was bored. So I heard about this and they're like, well, it's really for seniors, but we figured out a way for me to get enough credits to graduate after my junior year. And so we went to high school in the morning, college in the community college in the afternoon. And all of a sudden I'm 17. I've graduated from high school. I had my first semester of college done. And I hadn't applied for colleges because I hadn't planned on any of this. So then I transitioned. I stayed in that community college because it was a pretty good community college um, for two years, got my associate's degree and then transferred um, all of those credits over to Cornell and got my bachelor's degree from Cornell. So I don't usually talk about the associate's degree very much, but it's relevant to the story because I had to make some quick decisions in order to take advantage of this money and really go on to something that was a little bit more challenging intellectually for me to keep yeah. myself going. I so then I, then I had to graduate from college at 21 and, you know, went into the working world. Yeah. And then you also got your MBA, right? Am I, is that correct? Yes. Um, about eight years after working for, I was at Citibank for eight years in their credit card division, making progress. And I finally, it was like, what are they, 27 years old or something like that. I, 28 years old, I was sitting there going, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have a home. This is the perfect time for me to get my MBA. So I looked at a lot of different schools around the country and ended up going to Thunderbird because a lot of the general managers in Taiwan were T-Birds. And so going into international business, that was the number one program in the world for international international business managers, MBA level. It's a really interesting program in that you, you have to study marketing or finance, just like every MBA program. You also have to study the politics and economics of a region of the world. So for me, that was Latin America. And you have to be able to conduct business negotiations in a second language. So for me, that was Spanish. And while I was there, I picked up a class my last semester of Portuguese for Spanish speakers because they're so similar. But I also studied in Guadalajara, Mexico, and I worked in Mexico a little bit um, as part of the program. So it was a really interesting program. And it was it was like going back to my tribe. It was going yeah. home for me. It was yeah. a really wonderful environment. And I'm so close to all my classmates from that time period. And that's, I love that about you too. I just, because of your, you know, the interest in the different cultures and your, the cross culture um, part of you. So tell everybody how many places you've lived and then also the different languages that you speak. Yeah. Right? So, yep. Because of my stepfather's job, we moved to yeah. Taiwan. Um, so I've lived in Taiwan and then through grad school, I went to Mexico. I got my first job out of grad school in Puerto Rico, which I consider a different country because it's so Latin American. Yep. I've also spent, I was also a high school exchange student to Chile and mm -hmm. live with a Chilean family for a couple months and was immersed. I was the only one in that area who spoke English. So I was real immersion and then also spent a lot of time in Spain. So five countries, eight U.S. states. West Coast, East Coast, you know, Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, California, Arizona. And I'm now in Cleveland, Ohio, mm -hmm. after 15 years in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
So, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, I didn't know much about it, but we've really enjoyed it. We've been here five years now. I think what makes this so great, at least for me, I mean, I've obviously known you for a long time, but what makes it so great is just the way, just because of the depth of who you are and all this experience that you've had, you really can connect with women, particularly in just in so many different ways, which makes the depth, like the breadth and depth of who you are really fascinating, right? And I love that. I love that about you. And you still, you're so curious about life and just a lot of different topics. You know, you don't stay stagnant. You're constantly growing and learning. And, you know, we're cousins by marriage. My husband has that same quality. So I love that about you, that you really are the constant learner. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And that's why I wanted to share that. Cause I think, I think it really makes, it shows who you are and you're now married with two wonderful boys. And so yes. the best wedding ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and I really am a learner. I just love information and to go back to finish answering, cause I forgot to answer the language question. Okay. So English, Spanish, Spanish is my strongest second language, some Portuguese, but I've never lived in any Portuguese speaking country. So that's we Mandarin Chinese because of Taiwan and and growing up there and having to get around, but not very well. And then I'm studying um, over the last couple of years, I'm studying Italian and German. So one of my goals I've set for myself, and this is brain health and keeping myself engaged and everything is I want to travel a lot more than I have. Mm -hmm. And two weeks isn't doing it for me anymore. So I really want to go and pick a, a country to go for two to three months. I think so, I'm going to have to try that. Maybe and, I just, link. <laughs> and I just do the free version. I'm like, I have to watch. So that means you have to watch commercials in between sessions. If you're doing a second session, I'm like, that's fine. I can watch it because I'm not, I'm not, I'm cheap. I'm not willing to pay for that stuff. But that's great. I mean, I, I literally, I'll put that in the show notes too, just for people. That, yeah. You know, it is. It's so good. And Maria Shriver talks about this all the time, just from brain health. These exercises, yep. these things are good. And for me, I only speak English. So I would love to do this. So anyway. Yeah, and I'll, I'll send you my name. So anybody who wants to friend me on it, they can friend me on it. Perfect. I'll put that in. So let's move on to some of this because you've been through some really interesting transition and changes, especially recently, right? You are brilliant. You've survived all these layoffs, as we mentioned earlier in the intro. You've worked with a lot of white men and you've really proved yourself working, being in corporate America, being a woman, you know, really proving yourself is challenging. And I'm super intrigued with that. So let's dive into some of this. Tell me a little bit about what it's been like um, climbing this career ladder as an executive female? Yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting. And I've worked at a whole bunch of different companies, but I've had a couple that like eight years at Citibank, 15 years at Bank of America, and then the last five at Key Bank. So most of my career has been in um, retail or consumer banking. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about being spoken over or different challenges. I came into Citibank right out of college with the management associate program. And Everybody was treated as an equal. Now, certain people, yes, excelled faster than others, but we were all given similar training. And then from there, I went to get my MBA, did a couple of things in Silicon Valley, and then was at Bank of America for 15 years, like I said. I've never, I've always believed that I have a seat at the table and that I'm an equal of all my peers. I don't, I probably specifically do not cook dinner. I'm not a very girly girl in that sense. <laughs> um, I don't cook. I'm not the one to go get coffee. I, if you ever asked me to get coffee, I'd probably burn it on you on purpose um, because it's so demeaning to do things like that, to pick yeah. somebody or take notes. I'm like, oh, my handwriting's horrible. You won't be able to read them, things like that. Yeah. So I just actively participate. And um, I've had some strange 
experiences with white men might go back to, um, I had a, I have a running joke that I grew up um, on a world tour of military dictatorships. So I was living in Taiwan as seventh to ninth grade, so 12 to 16 years old, and lots of freedom because it was a very safe, there were, there were military in every corner. So it was a very safe environment. We could go to the night market in the evenings without by ourselves. We were always respected and things like that. So I just had this sense of freedom. Then I moved to Chile as a exchange student and that's a military dictatorship under was under Pinochet. Very different type. Taiwan was against China. Pinochet was controlling his own people and had some very different experiences because there was a curfew. And one night I got caught where I wasn't paying attention to time and I was at a friend's house. I couldn't go home because if I was on the street, I would be shot. And my family didn't have a phone. So I couldn't even contact them to tell them I'm okay. I'm just going to stay at so-and-so's house. But because of those experiences and because I survived them and because I, you know, was fine. I, I had, it was scary at times, but I was fine. I survived. I have this confidence that I can figure out how to get out of anything. Like if I'm in a situation that's physically dangerous, I'm like, I can figure this out. I've done it before. So that gives me and that I think that spills over into my experience in the work of like, I'll figure this out. I love problem solving. And mm. I think that's part of it. Yeah. So yeah. um and like you said, if you've been there before, you know how to do it. You know how to get out of a situation. It doesn't if you've been in these situations where you had these really rigid rules that you had to follow and you were never afraid. You just knew you could you'd survive it. You'd figure it out. Exactly. And I think with and I think living in all these different places, different countries, you know, the world doesn't seem as scary either. You know? Yeah, you, I can figure out the train system, the bus system, yeah, you know, how to get around. And that's also why I connect with people because I've had so many of these experiences. I can find a personal connection between myself and almost anybody to yeah. make them feel like I'm a friend, which also when you're in a scary situation, you need friends to help mm -hmm. you through. Yeah, really well said. And I've never heard that story before. So that's, that's really. Oh, um, yeah. So I, didn't, I never told you when I was tear gassed. No, I haven't heard that either. <laughs> yeah, that was in Chile. We went to a human rights protest, which our friends were protesting. And so we knew going into the center of town what was going to happen. And it lasted eight seconds before the police shut it down with water cannons and tear gas. And we were prepared intellectually, but we weren't prepared physically. And we ended up getting stuck. This is a girlfriend of mine and myself getting stuck between a glass door and a metal grate. And we were trapped. And the tear gas was obviously coming through the metal grate. Finally got into the building, you know, got settled. My family that I was living with at the time were freaked out that I even went there. Um, cause it was pretty dangerous. They shot people that these things. So yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, because I, I, so, I haven't heard this story before. And so <laughs> it's true when you kind of, when you are in any of those kind of situations, you realize you can really do hard things. You can overcome yeah. anything that, you to know, survive. Yes. And I think we all live so afraid of trying new things. And when I hear stories like this, like, why, why are we afraid to try something new? Right. All we have to exactly. do is think about the hard things that we've already experienced and already overcome, even at this season of life. Well, right? and the thing, yeah, absolutely. And what banking is, is mitigating risk. So one yeah. thing I'd say is if you're trying something new, mitigate the risk. What could go wrong? Like mm -hmm. I should have had a handkerchief or a bandana with me for going into the tear gas to cover my face. Didn't think about that. Yeah. So what could go wrong? How could you 
anticipate it or mitigate it so it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And that way you're more likely to have a positive experience through it. So a lot of it's just anticipating and, and then mitigating the risk. Yeah, well, very well said. I love that. So tell me um, a little bit about this experience that you've had recently where you have survived all these layoffs all these years. You've survived 10 to 12 of them, right? You've watched yes. and it's hard watching other people get laid off, right? You, but you survived those, those reorganizations. So tell me what that was like, what it has felt like. You know, now you get the call that, okay, Sorry, now you know you're you've been laid off. Um, kind of just t- take us through a little bit about that, what that has felt like for you, how you kind of found your legs, your wings, kind of to decide you were going to take control of your life and now go help other women and with marketing um, and their businesses, and just dive into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, there's probably been ten to twelve times there's been a major reorganization, and I've always been the put Elizabeth over there. She'll figure it out. Even if she doesn't know anything about it, she'll figure it out. And um, I've taken on some really interesting jobs that I was like, yeah, I know nothing about that, but let's go figure out how I can add value and I'll lead the team and we will make this work. So I've always been the one who survived these. And it it was hard being a survivor because even though they say you're going to do less work because you have less capacity because of less people, fewer people, it doesn't work out. You end up doing the same amount of work with fewer people. And so it's very stressful going through these, especially time after time after time and people get let go and then they're never, they're not replaced and you are continually operating at a smaller team. So I went into, I had, and like I said, I was laid off once. Um, so or middle of my career, I was in the Silicon Valley working for a dot-com and um, they went through five rounds of layoffs as I went through nine months of pregnancy. And on a Tuesday, I got laid off. And Friday, my oldest son was born. And Monday, the company declared bankruptcy. This was two weeks after 9-11. So um, that was tough. But I also had a newborn that I was nursing and needed to focus on that. Took me about 13 months to get the job at Bank of America. And we moved us from San Francisco to Charlotte. Had my second child there, da da da. I went on through the career multiple, multiple rounds. Uh, I survived. So come this time, I knew there was a big or reorg coming. We had talked about it. Um, I was assured that I would have a role in the new organization verbally. So I was hold a little a surprised. So you, hold on. You were assured by a key senior leader, Kiva. Bank had spoken to me earlier in the fall when we saw this coming. And he's like, we need leaders. You're a leader. We need so many more leaders. You'll have a great role in this organization. The work played out differently than he expected. And I didn't. So they decided to, there was a whole bunch of us that were laid off at, at about the same time. And the hard part was, you know, the disappointment that I wasn't going to be continuing forward and that my skills weren't valued as well as the, I got a month's notice and I couldn't say anything for two and a half weeks. That was hard too, yeah. because I had to keep, I, I was managing six different um, agile software development teams and I had to keep them going. I had to keep my staff positive and moving forward despite knowing that I was going to leave and I couldn't say anything for two and a half weeks till I finally forced the announcement to happen so that I could really start closing things down. 
So it's great that they gave you a month's notice, but it's actually hard. So this time, um, the good thing is the bank gave me a great severance package to get me going. Um, The bad news was, you know, I was at the intersection of banking and technology and both industries were imploding or have been imploding all this year. Yeah. So I had, um, because I had heard this reorg was happening, I didn't have as many new things on my plate over the fall. And one of the things I said, I, I took a step back in the fall before I even knew I was going to get laid off and said, wow, I've been here five years in Cleveland at, at KeyBank and let's spend six months putting together a three-year plan because I'm going to survive this layoff, this wrap. I'll have a new role, but let's p- prepare for the future when I can put this plan in place. So let's spend a couple months just talking about my goals and then figure out how to get me on a nonprofit board and how to get me guest lecturing and like how make those connections because, you know, I was a key for five years. Two of them, I was heads down trying to learn the business, learn the the networking, things like that. And then we had two years of COVID. So I didn't really have great connections in Cleveland outside of key. So I worked with this coach and we were started working in November and in February, I was like, so, you know, that three-year plan we thought we were creating, it's now a two-month plan and we're doing it because I was at Severance and I wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. And so um, did a lot of work at first, actually before I thought I wanted to teach at the university level. And then I decided, no, I, I don't want that rigidity and, and their agenda. I want to teach because of what I love and what I know. So I switched to coaching. Um, I've done a couple of consulting gigs and and got on the nonprofit for a globally minded organization, Cleveland Council of World Affairs over the summer. So I have a three-year assignment that I've signed up for there. So I feel like I'm back on the path and now I'm working with business owners. Um, I've worked with coaches. I work with a, a woman who owns a machine shop for aerospace parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with a hairstylist. I'm working with a feng shui master. I'm ho- working with a lot of different people to sort of get them clarity on who is your target audience and how do you really talk to them? Mm-hmm. And that's where I spend a lot of my time is sort of marketing strategy work. Mm-hmm. My last job, as I mentioned, was um, software development. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I had done product, which means I had profit and loss responsibility, new product development, things like that, telling marketing what to do. But the prior 15 years, I was in marketing and I really liked that the most. So that was one of the things when I reflected back, I'm like, I like marketing and -hmm. business owners are frustrated or overwhelmed by it. So how can I use this energy that I have around marketing to help businesses grow? Because I think marketing is fun. I I don't get frustrated at all. I mean, it's test and learn. You're trying new things. You're being creative. You're solving a problem. And as long as you take that attitude, it's a lot of fun. So I, that's where I've been pivoting and working um, in the last couple of years. And, and, you know, it's been fun yeah. last couple of years, last couple of months, I think. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been fun having that, that ability to be able to work where you want, when you want, with whom you want. Right. And make, yeah. and just have that and take control of your life essentially. Um, exactly. And you've helped me a lot too. So it's been so great because really with all of us, businesses I mean it's definitely relationships but it's 80 percent marketing right and so many of us it's the I I actually think unless you have this background and it's probably the hardest thing to do because we get so emotionally caught up in it we get so attached to our brand or our business or you know rather than seeing it 
from kind of that outside perspective, like you're able to come in with an extra set of eyes and help us kind of wade through the muck of it all, right? So, well, and, and the same thing for me. I can't, I have a hard time marketing my own business because I'm too close to it. Yeah. But I can talk to you, Terry, and be like, did you put these two points together and connect the dots for you? And you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And I can see those things because I'm coming in from the outside. And I'm also thinking, what would a customer want? What would the mm -hmm. customer need in order to buy your product and service? Mm -hmm. And you're thinking about what am I providing and what am I, I mean, from a very different perspective. So that's why I think everybody needs some marketing help just for that outside perspective to be looking at your business from that objective third party. It's so true. And I think one of the things that you do really, really well too, is just really helping people hone in on who their ideal client is, their avatar. And it really makes it relatable. It takes away some of that, that fear and that big, like <laughs> marketing monster that we might all <laughs> see it as that. Do you want to dive into that just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. With people, what you do, because it's really unique. Thank you. Thank you. I think it is. And I also think it's critical. So, so many people are like, Terry, you could have started and told me my my ideal client are women who are about to become empty nesters. Oh, okay. But that doesn't go deep enough to know why they would want your service. So a lot of times we describe our ideal client as their demographics. They're a male, female, they live in a certain area, they are a certain age, they have children or don't have children, whatever is relevant. And those are important facts. But I don't think that goes deep enough. The important thing to me is the psychographics. Why do they feel this way? Why do they do or think a certain way? Because a lot of times the psychographics, some detail about that might be the unifying part of your, your ideal client. Not that they're a 40-year-old woman. Mm -hmm. That may not even matter because it might be women and men, but be they want X. Mm -hmm. They want you know, they want to be successful in their business and they're willing to look at an alternative way of doing that. They're willing to think about, for my feng shui master client, they're willing to think that there is an outside force at play and they can harness that energy to, mm -hmm. to grow their business. And that outside energy might've prevented them from doing things. So really going deep into what is your customer? Why are they acting the way they're acting? And then the really critical part is the buyer decision. Who, what kind of brands do they like? Where do they go shopping? So if you are, so the, you really want to understand, um, are they willing to pay? So if you have a client that you're trying to do a high ticket offer to, and they shop thrift only, they're probably not. They're going to probably not going to be able to mentally pay a couple thousand dollars for anybody's service. If you have a customer that only shops at Saks Fifth Avenue and Neiman Marcus, they have no problem spending a couple thousand dollars on something that they believe is of value to you. So where they shop and what brands they look at um, will help you decide not only are they willing to pay, which is really critical to buy your product or service, but also the brands help you understand what kind of words matter? Mm, what kind, what is, yeah. So are they a hero? Are they a magician? Are they an everyday person? Things like that. There are, there's 12 brand archetypes that we try and code everybody into and say, my ideal client is, you know, they're rebel. They're all about Harley Davidson and Levi's and things like that. 
So then go look at those brands and see what kind of language those brands use. That's what your ideal customer will react to. Mm. So we developed this really robust picture, uh, as many aspects of them that are important, really deep using the five whys. And if you if you don't know the five why exercise, so um, you might ask me why why do you live in Ohio? Well, because my job. Well, why did you get that job? And you go five levels. Each time you get the answer, you ask five whys and go deeper and deeper and deeper because then you get to the root cause of the real emotional reason why mm -hmm. you're doing this. I moved to Ohio to have more opportunities because I felt like at Bank of America, I had topped out and I was too young to stay there and just stay at that level. I wanted more challenges. But you sometimes have to ask multiple questions. So you get to that why. And you really build this robust picture. One of the things that you were referring before is I want you to name them and have a picture. And mm -hmm. I say this could be a real person. It could be a movie character or you can make it up. It doesn't matter. But I want you to have a name. So Stella yeah. and is Terry's. And we have a picture for her and everything that helps bring your life. Then when you're marketing to your Stella or my Michelle or whatever, you have a, I advise you to have a picture of them on your desk and write the copy as if you're writing a love letter to that person and really write it to connect to that person. And because then it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I've gotten so many people who are like, I need to work with you because you were writing to me and I knew you were writing to me. So you're writing to your Stella, but you're writing to all the other Stellas out there yeah, that yeah. are going to see your content and they're going to connect because you're not too high level. You're really writing from the heart mm -hmm. and really connecting on a regular basis. And then I go through a whole process about what is your offer and how do you communicate and what's the transformation you're going to achieve from to by working and buying this product or service. And how do we set you up as a guide that you've been through this before? So they should trust you and they're willing to trust that you will make, take them through the journey. Yeah. And that's the transformation story we build over yeah. time. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It just, it's a couple of sessions of really pulling it out because everybody probably knows it, but don't, they don't think about it. And if you ask the right questions, like, well, what is their motivation? Why would they? Was there a catalyst? that now is the right time. Something happened. So now they're going to finally take action because this has been a problem for a while, but it became a pain point because X, Y, Z happened. I mean, for Terry, for you, it might be that youngest child got accepted to college and they know, know, they know they're moving them out in a few months and they're looking ahead going, okay, my house is going to be empty. What am I going to do with my life? Yeah. And I also, for me, I'm also focusing on the hard things that we've been through in our lives. Oh, I know. Um, I'm sorry if I'm no, 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 no. I'm also, but, but this is, I'm really fascinated too, by taking those hard things that we've been through. And, and that includes having an empty nest. When we have these transitions, okay. we go through hard things, but taking that story and turning that into a purpose. What's next for you? If you're empty nest, you, you've been home for a while, you're trying to figure out what's next. What hard thing have you been through that you've overcome that you can now go help someone else through? Just like even with you, like with going through these different, you know, job, you can relate to so many different people because of where you've grown up. You have all this, the cultural backgrounds that you have. 
Um, you have your experience even at Thunderbird and then going, working in corporate America, getting laid off, yeah. you know, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of women, especially, and I'm saying women, um, I know you help both, but I do. for women, but for women that have been laid off, you know, wondering what the heck is next after COVID, like, do right. people want to go back in that corporate world? And you had a taste of that too, right? So, you know, do you want to go back in that structure where somebody else is in charge of your life, or do you want to take charge of your life, much like with what people that we follow, like Dean Graziosi says, you know, um, right. we want to be in charge of our own own life. And so, um, anyway, I just think it's beautiful. And, and I go ahead. And I was just going to say, and I mean, all of us are multi multi dimensional people, mm-hmm. and corporate being a leader in a corporate business is only one of my dimensions, but. You know, I have a friend who, quote unquote, retired from the bank and is now being a photographer, sports photographer for events and she and nature. And she travels around. I have another friend who's like, I love gardening and I'm going to build an app to tell people how to do their gardening. And, you know, a lot of people pivot to different things, but it's the pivot to something you love. I love yeah. marketing. I love working with people. I love connecting with people. And I love problem solving. So marketing and working with businesses to help them grow is mine. But that doesn't mean it's everybody's a lot. I mean, people do crazy things and they we only have one life. Let's live it to the fullest. Exactly. And that's, I think that's the goal, getting people to pivot towards something that they love, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think one of the things that was really interesting as you're talking that really makes me think that there's always this human connection, human component, right? When we're doing our business. Um, Mm -hmm. because that's, I mean, we have to have that in order to develop these relationships and connect with people, but there's also a part of it where we have to step back from the emotion, right? Yes. And that's where I think some of that marketing, we're stepping back and, and taking your emotion out of the business part of it. And sometimes it's hard to bridge that. And that's why someone like you can come in and really help take away some of that emotion and, and help create that strategy, (laughs) Um, help create that strategy. Because there's definitely that component. It's important. It's really, really, really important. Well, and it's really important. And as we saw when we had, we mutually had a conversation with another, a colleague of ours who had also been 25, 30 years in a corporate job. Mm -hmm. We actually, she and I have been trained to be so unemotional and so objective over the years that sometimes it's hard for me. Like I can open up on a personal basis. But when I'm marketing or when I'm talking, I keep it very professional and, and and clean. And I need to introduce more emotion into my marketing about myself because it's been trained out of me. You you can't be emotional at work. You have to make a decision and you just need to do the best thing for the business and keep moving. And even if it's firing someone and, you know, you have to be able to do that as a professional in, in corporate America. And it hardens you. Because you can't, you can't show emotion all the time. You, you try to be emo, be personable and per, and connect on a personable level. But a lot of times you have to make really hard decisions that impact people's lives. And you, it's for the right reasons. So you do it. Yeah. that's Well, if we could package you and I together, there you go. There's your. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's exactly. so good. So good. Well, that's just such great insight. Is there anything else you want to say about your business like that? Because it's just such great insight as to anyone out here in the podcast world listening in on this episode. Um, if you're starting a business or wanting to start a business, it's so great. You need someone like Elizabeth to help us 
gain clarity on exactly who our ideal target client is and how to speak their language and how to market that business. So exactly. Um, have I missed anything? And it's hard. We all try to do it ourselves right? so often. We all try to do all this ourselves. And well, when you, you can do a certain point, you get to a certain point and yeah. then you can't do that anymore. And I've been in businesses. I think you, I've shared that before. Mm-hmm. Yes. That have gone sideways as a result. You can only get to a certain point. And once you reach that point to get to the next level, you have to bring in professionals who do that a whole lot better than you do. And exactly. And you, when you're starting your own business, you have to do it all. You have to be finance and marketing and sales and product development and leadership decisions and everything. And that's hard because no one is great at all those things. Right. So what you want to do is do them the best you can and then quickly figure out when you get to a certain level, you can hire someone to outsource or, or do something. Um, and then you want to look at look at what the skills are. And sometimes working with a, another coach like me about defining your business or things like that is really helpful because I can get you there faster. Mm-hmm. So I, a couple of different things. Um, I have a free Facebook group that anybody who wants to join is called Marketing is Fun. I believe marketing is fun and I try and keep it fun. So join me there. Um, I will be having a... Um, a workshop coming up on how to design your ideal avatar, profile, persona, whatever you want to call it, coming up in about two weeks. So I will be promoting it on in Facebook and on LinkedIn. So pay if you want to be a friend of mine to find out about that. I've also created a one-pager that I wanted to give away to all of your audience. So if you go to kalubi.com, C as in Charlie, O-L-U-B as a boy, Y.com slash hello, red love you will be able to register and give an exchange for your email. I will send you a PDF or actually it pops up as a second window, but a PDF of 10 ways to have fun marketing your business. So there are things and ideas that inspire me. You know, when I first started at LinkedIn, I was like, how quickly can I get to a hundred links? And I did it every night challenging myself on how quickly. So is there something about challenging yourself to how quickly can you get to a thousand friends on Facebook or uh, 50 or a hundred or 250 or whatever the number is, keep increasing it. Email addresses. Instead of having a webinar, throw a party. So I went to a webinar for, for a coach and she was having a dinner party, but her whole theme was sleeping and sleep, how to, how to sleep better and get better sleep. And I kept thinking, why isn't this a slumber party? And she called it a dinner party, but she didn't really set it up to have appetizers and the main entree and the dessert or anything like that. It was just a dinner party by the word. But I was like, yeah. this is, you should be having a slumber party and have fun with this. Yeah. Like, let's go have play party games and let's do this and, you know, da, 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 music or whatever it was. Run a contest, maybe throw, have some mystery and only let certain people in the know or do a video of your space to show people what your life is so you can see behind the scenes. All of these things create connections on an emotional level with your customers. So it's a list of 10 ideas that you could use. And it just, like, I look at it every once in a while, I'm like, oh yeah, let's do that. And then I figure it inspires me to try something new. So that is, if you go to kalubi.com slash hello redlow, you okay. can get this PDF downloaded for free and um and all I all I ask in exchange is your email address. Perfect. And 
So that sounds like fun. That's such a great giveaway. So thank you so much. Super helpful. And I love your idea. I know these dinner parties are kind of this whole virtual dinner parties are kind of this whole thing. I love the play on words that you did. That's, I mean, that's just all part of what you do too, like really helping people have those insights. So you get a glimpse of who she is, who Elizabeth is, <laughs> and what she does, and you get to see some of the magic right here, you know, on the podcast as we're doing this interview. So that's awesome. Um, and I think, I think this, the list for how to make marketing fun is awesome. 10 ideas, right? I need that too. 10 ideas. Yes. <laughs> So it's really great. Anything else? I mean, I, I know you so well, but it's been fun for me because there's some things I've learned, you know, just some of your stories and you just, you have such a heart to help others and you're so great at what you do and you. you do make it fun. You make marketing a whole lot of fun. And I think you take away some of that fear. I think so many of us are afraid to try things to put ourselves out there. And you know me, I agonize over words. I'm such a word nerd at times. And at the end of the day, the market dictates it, right? If it's right. The market will dictate if we get it right or wrong and if it resonates with our ideal client. And that's the main thing. I did an article a couple of weeks ago about the difference between a marketer's attitude towards marketing and a business owner's attitude towards marketing. A marketer is going in there going, we there is no formula. It's an art and a science. Mm. And so test and learn. And if it works, keep doing it. And if it doesn't work, try something different. A business owner is like, oh, it didn't work. Maybe you didn't give it long enough. Also, so to the average consumer needs to hear a message five to seven times before they actually hear it. They ignore it. It, it just just doesn't absorb until at least five to seven times. Some people say 20 times, but at least five to seven is the advertising industry's rule of thumb. And a lot of times I saw at the banks we worked at, we got bored with the message before the customers actually got it. So I would say, you know, one of the things is it doesn't have to be said exactly the same way, but it has to be on a theme so a consumer can understand it's it's the same message. It's an extension of the same message. But if you only say it two or three times, you're probably not going to get through to most people. So that's one thing. It's like, don't get bored with your own message. Don't throw out the baby with bad bathwater. Don't continue it too long if it's not working and figure out that right mix but continually be testing, trying different things, different channels, different words, different messages, different images, and see what the feedback is. And if you get positive feedback, keep going. Oh, that's so good. That's a golden nugget right there. That's a mic drop. <laughs> that's, <so good. laughs> that's, that's a takeaway for everybody. So you get a taste of what she does. I will put um, all of your information where they can reach you, how they connect with you, um, when you're uh, masterclass will be so that they can connect with you online. I'll put that all in the show notes. Um, I'm just so grateful for this time. Thank you so much for being here. You no certainly helped me in so many ways. And is there any final thoughts that you want to say before we say goodbye to our listeners? No, I mean, I think I would end with marketing is fun. And the saying I always say is marketing only works if it resonates with your ideal client and motivates them to take action. That's so good. All right, everybody will have to listen in again and let that sink in. Thank you so much for your time oh. and just for all that you do. Thank you for helping me and everybody. Please follow Elizabeth Luby. I'll put all those, uh, the information in the show notes and please connect with her if you need help with your business. She is your go-to marketing coach. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much, Terry. I Thank love our conversations. We talk on a regular basis, but this was so much fun to talk about everything again. Well, so, you. and you Thank do you great for- work. So people should be following you and, and looking to you. 
Well, thank you. You're a great coach. Well, and I just, I really wanted just to highlight women and just share the different struggles, but, but it's never too late. It's never too yeah, late to pivot, never. to reinvent yourself, to start again. Yeah. That's really my mission and to help women kind of figure out what they want to do next as well. So like I can get them to yeah. point A and then you can get them to point B. Show them exactly. how to do it the business side. <laughs> I mean, you were 59 when you wrote your yeah. first book and published it. Yeah. And I was 58 when I got laid off. And so we're yeah. both in the same stage of life and- it's scary having two kids in college when this all happens, but it was a blessing in disguise. I forgot. I think I forgot to say that earlier. Uh, it really yeah. was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I think. And it's been fun to see you to to see you grow in this and be so excited to to do your own business. It's been it's been really fun for me to watch, too, and to do this together on this journey together. But I was going to say that women in their 50s, I think, are the new, you know, the largest entrepreneurial um, yeah. group that are starting businesses. And so, um, and especially in this digital space, um, the online yeah. space and online coaches, it's just taking off. And so it's really fun to be a part of it, isn't it? It's it's fun I mean, to, to be a part we of have it. Low air barriers to entry. I mean, a computer, a phone, you know, a camera, some lights, and that's all you have to do. Yeah. We have so much wisdom. And we yeah. used to be in prior generations, shut it to the side. There were certain cultures that really uh, respected the crones, yeah. which was the older wise was woman usually. And I think we're coming back because there's so yeah. many women that are powerful and we have such wisdom to share. A hundred percent. And all the experience, everything, as I say, you never start from scratch. You always start from experience, right? And so- I think that's been for me, especially too. And I know for you, like starting this journey and trying to help other women realize it's not too late to start and pivot and start your own business. It's just such, it's fun. It, yeah. it really is fun. Marketing fun and, and doing it is hard. It's not easy, but it's fun. And you know what the added benefit is that we never talk about is but, the more we're engaged, the more we use our brain, the longer we stay relevant and engaged in life, we're gonna have longer life. We're gonna have more brain health. Dementia will be delayed to a certain extent because we're using our brain. How many, my grandmother, like they used to watch the news, but they just sat around the house all day and there was no engagement after they turned 65. And, you know, it's no wonder that they they drank and, and you know, they had, they had parties. But the, their brains went dead because they weren't using them to a, on a regular basis. If you're running a business and coaching and working with other people, we're using our brains and we're going to stay brain healthy for a long time, which is my ulterior motive for living longer is no, doing this business. It's so good. And I know I share in my book too, it just made me think about my grandfather that, you know, he didn't sell his business until he was 90 years old. And mm -hmm. so I used to say, why are you still working? He said, what else am I going to do? But he, right. and he was so sharp and so smart. And the only reason, you know, he died, you know, 93, I think it was because he slipped and fell and hit his head and got a blood clot, but his mind was so sharp. So, so I have one set, of, point. one set of grandparents who retired early and they died in their seventies. My husband's father was 93. He fell and broke his leg. And six months later, he was, he had already, he already been a widow twice. And six months after the accident, he decided, I don't have any friends left. I, I've survived all of them. And so he wow. decided to, that that was the end. And he let himself die. Wow. But he was 93 and he was still riding horses. I mean, he, he was riding horses. Yeah. I think that's how he broke his leg that time. That's true. I mean, that's such a great point. A great thing to end with in that, you know, when we are staying active, you know, it really does. It keeps our brain 
active and current and yeah, um, our bodies. Yes, exactly. And, you know, women are the most at risk, I think, at dementia, aren't they? Is that correct? I yes. think they are. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, and I love following Maria Shriver because she's all about that too. So, yeah, um, I love her Sunday paper. Yeah, it's so good. That's another plug for that. I love her Sunday yeah. paper. She's just amazing. Another woman that's reinvented herself and just so good. Anyway, thank you so much for this time. I just thank you for your friendship and um, I treasure you. It's been fun taking this journey together. And thank you for showing up here on this podcast. Um, I really want everyone to follow you and you just have so much to offer and you make marketing a whole lot of fun. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today. I hope this episode really blessed your heart and soul. And I hope you learned some fun things about marketing and all the links that Elizabeth mentioned are in the show notes. And I want to encourage you to keep stepping forward. Know that you are seen, you are heard, you are loved and you belong. God bless.